0: if you remember that word scattered is diaspora it literally means to plant seed it's like it's to throw seed to the wind and just let it scatter and God is beginning to send the gospel he's beginning to spread Christians around the known world at that time so that the gospel the good news the name of Christ can be preached and spread and so here in chapter 5 Philip goes to Samaria now Who is Philip? Well, if you remember in chapter 6, Philip is one of the deacons. Uh, Take your Bible, go over to Acts chapter 21. Go over to Acts 21 and look at verse number 8 real quick. Acts 21 verse 8, it says, And the next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven... And abode with him. What's that seven? Those are the seven deacons back in Acts chapter six that the church chose out. Philip is a part of that. And so Philip was a deacon there at the church of, at Jerusalem. Um, here in Acts 21 verse eight he's referred to as an evangelist. Now we have evangelists come in from time to time um, but here he is referred to as an evangelist. What's an evangelist? Well it's interesting that word evangelist comes from the same Greek word that we get the word gospel, the good news. And an evangelist was a preacher of the good news. And so that's what Philip was. Uh, Philip was also an evangelist. He was a deacon there at the church at Jerusalem, and he was also an evangelist who was a preacher of the gospel. Um, So here in Acts chapter 8, verse 5, it says he went down unto Samaria. Now here's something you need to understand. You remember the story of Jesus and the woman at the well? If you were to go over to John chapter four and verse number 9 there the woman at the well. She tells Jesus the Jews don't have anything to do with the Samaritans. She was perplexed by the fact that he was speaking to her. And he says, you don't have anything to do with the Samaritans. Why? Because the Samaritans were half breeds. They were considered dogs. Uh, They were half Gentile, half Jewish. They weren't completely Jewish. And so the Jewish people wouldn't have anything to do with Samaritans. And so when Jesus is sitting at the well and he asks the Samaritan woman to get him water, she's shocked that he would even speak to her. And now you have Philip, a Jewish man, who goes down to Samaria to preach. To preach what? To preach Jesus. To preach Christ unto them. Verse 6 in chapter 8, it says, And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing... And seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. So here Philip goes down to Samaria. He's preaching Christ and the people, it says, are giving heed. They're paying attention to his message, but they're not just listening. They're also seeing because he's also performing miracles. Now, when we talked about Stephen before, I mentioned, I, get, I told you guys about 1 Timothy 3, verse 13, where uh, Paul says that a deacon who uses the office of a deacon properly or well will be given a, an uncertain amount of boldness, that, that his ministry will be expanded. And that's what God is doing here with Stephen and with Philip. These are two faithful men who were deacons that were obviously using their office well and God did something special with them. And here Philip goes down. He's a deacon. He's not an apostle. He's not a pastor. He's a deacon. He's a servant. And here God uses him to do something miraculous. And in verse eight, it says there was great joy in the city. Listen, Jesus is the only one who can truly bring joy. Jesus Christ is the only one who can bring joy to this life. And I was thinking about it, it's amazing sometimes, even as a Christian, being saved, possessing Christ and being possessed by Christ, how often we seek our joy in something else. We actually have the answer, we actually have Christ, yet we go outside of that to try to find our joy. And ladies and gentlemen, as a Christian, we should seek to find our joy in Christ, that's where we should be seeking to find our joy and here's 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 my question if you and i as christians aren't seeking to find our joy in christ how can we tell an unsaved world that that's where they find their joy and i would argue that we can't we can't we have a responsibility to be faithful to have a relationship to be in love with our savior and find our joy there so that we can share him I don't think you can have it both ways. I don't think that's a two-way street. It's Christ and Christ alone. And when Christ is everything, we'll be able to share him with this unsaved world. Notice verse 12. It says, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. People are getting saved in Samaria. What an awesome thing. What an awesome thing. Now, I realized I skipped some verses. In verse number nine, it says, but. Now, I'll say this. For those of you who are are coming to our little Bible study class, that is an important word. Because it shows contrast. But. So, listen. It says, Philip went down to Samaria. He's preaching. He's doing miracles. In verse eight, it says, there was great joy in the city. But. You ever had a conversation like that? Man, it was a great day. I went to work, but, oh great, what's coming? That's how this played out. This was a great, this was wonderful. What was going on was amazing. And then you have this word, but, but what? But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. To whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, "This man is the great power of God," and to him they had regard, because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. Now, honestly, we're not going to really stop here, but I just want—I just wanted to throw this out. Here's kind of a pothole or a bump in the road for Philip. Here, Philip is preaching; people are being saved. Wonderful things are happening, and then you got this guy who seems to be in the way. And, you know, your life and my life aren't going to be without hiccups. Your life and my life aren't going to be without rough patches. Um, It it is amazing to me how many people get married and they think their life's going to be perfect. Your life's not going to be perfect. There will be problems. There will be hiccups, there will be speed bumps, there will be things to work through. But you know what's interesting is Philip continues to serve in spite of this guy. Philip continues to move ahead. And you know what, and, and you know this as well if not better than I do, that in our lives when we have those hiccups, we have to keep pressing on. We can't get bogged down by that negative circumstance, we can't get bogged down by whatever happened or what somebody said or whatever's going on. We can't allow that to weigh us down and keep us from doing what we need to do. We have to move forward. And that's exactly what Philip does. So Philip, Philip is preaching and teaching. Now jump over to verse 26. It says, And the angels of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert and he arose, and he went. Now, how many of you believe that you can have too much of a good thing? Is that possible? Can you eat too much ice cream? I know Nelson doesn't believe that. I know, man, I I think Brother Nelson can eat some ice cream. And if you ever go see him, you're probably going to eat ice cream because he loves ice cream. I don't know if there's any kind of disappointment for, for Philip here. I mean, Philip's preaching. People are getting saved. Wonderful things are happening. And then God says, hey, I want you to go here. And, you know, I don't know what the circumstance is necessary. I mean, we know what the circumstance is here because we have the word of God and it's preserved for us. So we know the whole story. But for Philip, I mean, here he is. He's doing this. And God says, hey, get up. I'm taking you somewhere else. So what does Philip do? Well, he asked some questions. He asked God Why? He asked God for some details. Is that what he did? It's not what he did. What does it say? It says he arose and he went. God said, Hey, I need you to go do this now. And what do he do? He went and did it. Don't. How many of you here have employees? Anybody here have employees that you're in charge of? Now, how many of you have had employees that you were in charge of? Okay, let me ask you a question. When you ask an employee to do something, do you like it when they just get it done have you ever had that employee now i understand sometimes there's room for questions and i understand that sometimes things need explaining or whatever at times but do you like it when you tell somebody to do something and bam it just gets done like there's no argument there's no need to explain they just take it they do it and bam it's it's done do you like do you i mean that's kind of nice isn't it I remember when Wesley first started working, he was working for uh, Kenny Martinez doing landscaping. And uh, he had worked for him for a few weeks. And one day, I think he was like 15, 14 or 15. And one day I just stayed. And I'm sitting in the car and Wesley walked over there. He talked to Brother Kenny. He got a job. He went and did that job. And then I noticed Wesley's just sitting there with his shovel. And I just watched for a few minutes. And I was like, okay. So I went home. He came home i went picked him up that night brought him home and and i told him i said hey i said i understand maybe you didn't have something else to do but i told wesley i said when you get done with one thing either find somebody else to help ask mr kenny what he wants done next but don't just stand there and watch don't ever get caught just standing Go find something else to do, ask for something to do, or just jump in and say, hey, do you need help? And start helping somebody do whatever they're doing. But don't ever just stand there. How hard is it to find employees like that? That's hard. That's hard. And here, Philip, Philip is in tune with God, and God has something else for Philip to do, and Philip's on board. And God says, I need you to start walking this way. And so what does Philip do? He gets up and he starts walking. And ladies and gentlemen, when God has something for us to do, we need to be paying attention and we need to be ready to start walking. Because listen, you don't know what you're going to miss out on. You don't know what God wants to use you to do. Philip doesn't know yet. But Philip, what does he do? He gets up, he starts walking. Verse 27, behold, a man of Ethiopia... A eunuch of great authority under Candace, Queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. A couple of things here I want you to think about real quick. First of all, this man from Ethiopia. This is a black man. This is a man from Africa, the, Ethiopia is located down south below of Egypt. It's right there in the horn of Africa. God is about to send his gospel to Africa. The gospel, the good news, the name of Christ is about to go south into Africa. Get this. It was not the white man who took the gospel to Africa for the first time. It was not the colonization by the British of the British that went into Africa and did all the colonizing. That's not where the gospel came from. God's already sending it there, and this Ethiopian is about to accept Christ as his Savior, and he's going to go home, and he's going to be a new creature. And God is sending the gospel into Africa. Notice what it says, it says he was a a eunuch of great authority. Now we're not gonna chase down this eunuch idea. I'll let you deal with that and I'll let your kids ask you about that. But we're not gonna go down that road tonight. But there there are significant reasons why that was done. Uh, You can read the book of Daniel. It's interesting to me that the word of God thinks it's important to mention. But um, anyway, notice this, though. He's of great authority. That great authority means he was sovereign. He had an amazing amount of authority. He was a man that possessed power and influence. Not, not, and it wasn't just any kind of influence. Notice what it says. It says, and great authority under Candace, queen of Ethiopia, who had the charge. He had the charge of all her treasure. Now, here's the thing. It's, this is inter- I thought this was interesting. I shared this with my wife last night. Candace is not her name. In the Greek, the Greek word for Candace is Kandike. If you if you just Google Kandike and you, and you look that up, search Kandike and Ethiopia, what you will find was it was the, the ruling name for the queens of Ethiopia. And back in the day, there is a list of they say there's up to 21 queens who ruled Ethiopia, and they would all take this name, this, this title of Kandake of Ethiopia. And they would have their first name and then Kandake, and that was their title. This woman was, I mean, she was royalty. She, she ruled Ethiopia, and this man is in charge of all of her finances her treasure. So he possesses a great amount of authority. This chariot that he's sitting in, I would imagine is not some run-down pinto. Now, I, I, this is one thing I enjoy with my, with my kids, especially my boys. I enjoy when, we, when we're driving somewhere and they're looking down the road and they go, hey, what kind of car is that? I enjoy that kind of thing oh, look, there's a Ferrari. Oh, hey, they're, they're, you know, we we really like the C8 Corvettes. And we're like, oh, man, there's one of those new Corvettes. And uh, I, I enjoy that. I would imagine that this eunuch's chariot probably demanded a little attention. I would imagine it's pretty elaborate. Um, he is representing the queen of Ethiopia. And so here is this man, this wealthy man, this man of influence, this man with authority and power. Here is this man in his chariot and notice what he's doing in verse 28. He's reading the book of Isaiah. Now he is ripe for the picking. He is ripe for the picking. Ladies and gentlemen, I guarantee you that if you will pay attention, God will bring people along your path who are ripe for the picking. But we have to be paying attention We have to pay attention to when that spirit prompts us to give out a track or to ask a question. A couple weeks ago, actually it was before we went on vacation, that Sunday night I went to Arby's. And I pull up to the window and I'm waiting and this this guy all tatted up. And I noticed on his knuckles, he's got Hebrew letters on his knuckles. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And there was something in my mind that said, "You you you should ask him, you should bring it up and i'm kind of like eh, i don't know that's not i don't know mm, i don't know so he asked me my food and i said hey are those uh hebrew letters on your uh on your knuckles he said yeah i said what's it mean he says oh it's the name of god i said oh so it's yahweh and he said yeah and he kind of looked at me like okay yeah it is and i said okay I said, uh, well, that's pretty interesting. I said, well, can I give you an invite to my church? And I just gave him one of our little postcards. And I said, can I invite you to church sometime? He said, yeah. He's like, man, thanks a lot, brother. God bless you. And he closed the window and I drove away. That's all it was. Now, I don't think he's been to church and I don't know if he'll ever come to church. But I just felt like I was supposed to do that. And, And we have to be sensitive to those moments. So notice verse 29. Then the spirit said unto Philip, was there this booming voice that came out of the clouds? I don't think so. I think the Spirit was prompting Philip. I think he was speaking uh, silently to Philip. Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. So this guy's reading out loud. And here comes, here comes uh, Philip. He's running up to this chariot. And he, he runs up there. And he hears him reading. And he says... In verse 30, and Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I? Except except some man should guide me. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shears, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his uh his judgment was taken away and who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth here he's reading psalm 53 verses 7 and 8 um let me let me also say this notice it says philip ran in verse 30 i don't know about you but i tend to hesitate does god ever prompt you in some way and you hesitate you drag your feet You ever have a little argument in your own little heart and mind about what you should say, what you shouldn't say, whether you should or whether you shouldn't, what you should do, what you shouldn't do? Philip doesn't drag his feet. God says, hey, go to that chariot, and he runs. He takes off after it. Take off after your opportunities. When God prompts you, just take that opportunity with confidence. God's the one who prompted you, so God's responsible to give you the answers. He's responsible to give you the words. And guess what? He promised in the book of John that his spirit would give you the answers. So trust him and just take your opportunity and go after it. Take it with confidence. It might be at work. It might be at a drive-thru. It might be at Walmart checkout. It could be anywhere. But take your opportunities with that confidence and just chase it and expect God to answer and to provide the answers that you might need when you talk to somebody. So he goes on in verse 34, and the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? What an open door. Is he talking about himself or is he talking about somebody else? Well, let me tell you who he's talking about. So what does he do? Notice verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth. That's a good step. And if you ever uh, stick a foot in that mouth every now and then, yeah, I know I do. But Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, when you don't have an answer, just preach Jesus. When you don't know what to say, just share Jesus. He's the only thing that's worth sharing. Tell him about Jesus. Tell him what he did for you. Tell him what he did on the cross. Share Jesus. You don't need any fancy answers and you don't need any fancy responses. Just share Jesus. Just share Jesus. So that's what Philip did. Philip opened up his mouth and he began at the same scripture and preached unto them Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, just open your mouth and ask God to fill it. Ask God to give you the answers and ask God to give you the words. Verse 36, and as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water and the eunuch said, see here is water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? Now, I, th- I think this is an important, uh, an important verse and this passage is, is just riddled with, with doctrine. Uh, It it, you have the Holy Spirit here. You have baptism. Uh, If we were to go back and look at uh, the the circumstance with Simon, the sorcerer, you're going to find repentance. There are there are several doctrines in this passage that that could be dealt with in depth. But here he asks this question, hey, what hinders me to be baptized? Now, this is what I personally believe. I believe that the eunuch wanted to follow Jesus. And getting baptized was going in, getting baptized, and rejecting a former teacher, a for, whatever he followed before, and now I'm going to follow Jesus. I think he wants to follow Jesus. But the problem is he's got the cart before the horse. And he doesn't necessarily understand what he's got to do. So he's like, well, man, I want to follow this Jesus. If that's who Isaiah's talking about, I want to follow Jesus. But he can't follow Jesus yet because he's not saved. So Philip reigns it back in, if you will, in verse 37. And Philip said... If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Jesus Christ is the son of God. It's amazing how ripe he was. He was ready to be saved. God had already brought him to that point. But you know what God needed? God needed a human instrument to help him. You can go to Romans chapter 10. I would encourage you, go to Romans chapter 10 sometime. And there you'll find, how will they hear except they have a preacher? How will they preach except they be sent? Listen, God is looking for human agents to help others. To lead others to him. And that's you and that's me. And here God used Philip to help bring him down this path. The other thing is this. Uh, there in Romans chapter 10, it also says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. The word of God is what generates faith. That's where faith comes from. It comes from, from reading and knowing the word of God. And here he's reading Isaiah. What did Philip do? Philip helped him understand what Isaiah was saying. His faith is building. He's coming to that, to that point, And boom, he makes that decision. He, he calls out on Christ. He accepts Christ as the king of kings and lord of lords. As the son of God, he believes and then what happens in verse 38, and he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down, both of them into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he, w- and he baptized him. Now he gets baptized. Now he gets baptized. Here you have the doctrine of baptism. And we don't have time to go down this road, but we practice immersion on purpose. Number one, because of what the word baptized means. But here you have an example where they went down into the water. It doesn't say, yeah, he just picked up a handful and sprinkled it on his head. And I realize I, I might get myself in trouble. We don't practice sprinkling on purpose because it's not biblical. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what Jesus did. But the word Baptize, or baptism, means to immerse. It means to dunk. And you have a lot of denominations out there, I'm sorry, but they baptize wrong. And some of them, they baptize for the wrong reason. It does not save you. It does not reserve for you a place in heaven. It doesn't do that. And so here, now that this man has been saved, now he goes down into the water and he's baptized verse 39 and when they were come up out of the water the spirit of the lord caught away philip that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing but philip was found at Azotus, and passing through he preached in all the cities till he came to caesarea there you see once again in verse 39 that jesus is the one who brings joy jesus is the one who brings joy and he went on his way rejoicing. I would imagine that when this unit got home and he walked in before uh, Candace the queen that there was something different. There was something different and here God sends the gospel into Africa. Ladies and gentlemen the reality is this your opportunities my opportunities regardless of how significant or insignificant we might think they are no matter who it is that God prompts us to give a track to to start a conversation with you have no idea what that ripple effect's gonna be. You have no idea who their family is. You have no idea what their influence is. You have no idea what impact that individual's going to have when they get saved. No opportunity is insignificant. They all matter. Take your opportunities. Be sensitive to the spirit when he prompts you and go after it with confidence. Run after that opportunity And trust God to give you the answers that you need when you talk to people. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the example of Philip. Thank you for his faithfulness. And uh, Lord, uh, just the courage and boldness that he had in his faith. I pray you'd help us to have the same as we go through our daily lives. And Lord, just uh, bless now. Give us a good night in Jesus' name. amen. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.